0: Devon here from Mozilla Companies, and welcome to the Overhead Crane Podcast. If you're new, welcome. We're happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back. In this episode, Mike Close, the content manager here at Mozilla Companies, joins me to discuss personal fall protection with Tom Horner, a rigging inspection manager with over 20 years of experience in the industry. We start by unpacking a lot of common mistakes and misconceptions with personal fall protection, specifically what most people are ignoring with personal fall protection, Whether or not you can repair damaged PFP system, the power of your designated safety individual and who can override that authority, and the benefits of having a third party come in to assess your gear and be honest and transparent about where you stand with your fall protection system. Tom starts the discussion by taking Mike and myself through some of the key elements of personal fall protection and how a lot of people miss what's right in front of their face.
1: Just on the personal fall protection it literally is just saying hey you've got a harness you've got you know your your lanyard or you've got a, a retractable or you've got all three these still need periodic inspections right and we do that okay and then also we can also piggyback that on any other service we can do your sling and rigging inspection but while we're also there mm-hmm. why not save a few bucks? package everything together
0: how often do you go on site see fall protection gear and like there are issues with it
1: all the time really probably much more so or e- equal to or more so than slings and rigging. you would think that because a guy is hanging you know his life is in the balance when he puts those on and he's working at heights that they would pay close attention but not even so fall protection is very black and white it's either good or bad and it's very strict as to what you'll fail items for. and A lot of customers don't often know that. Hmm. Um, What you run into in that world also is a lot of fall protection isn't assigned to one individual. Some places it is, but a lot of places it's a group thing. They'll buy a small, they'll buy a medium, a large, and an extra large and hang it on the thing and they'll hang some lanyards and some retractables and then guys just come in, whatever shift they're on, grab it and go use it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably the worst thing in the world because you're supposed to inspect it before each use, and so now you're coming in and you're trusting that somebody, before they put it back on the shelf, inspected it, and then you're trusting that your guy, before he even puts it on, mm-hmm. is inspecting it. There's probably less less attention paid to that than, than you would think. I mean, it's terrible.
0: So, like, what... When you see fall protection that hasn't been inspected and you see issues with it, what are common things that you see on a regular basis?
1: Uh, arc burns, arc burns, uh, chemical damage, um, obviously you're dealing with the maintenance guy who's going into the worst uh, places. In the air, or, or even if he's going in a hole, if they're using it for, you know, if he's going into a confined space, and it's a retrieval system, but you're going to find, you know, they're up on a furnace or something, and they are wearing their harness on top of all their greens and all their other gear, and they back into a hot pipe. Mm. Well, what did they just do to the harness? They probably scorched the harness or melted it. and they don't know this. Mm. Or they're welding. <laughs> Shit's landing. Everywhere, right, and they just think it's normal because it's on their clothes and everything. They just think it's normal, and they don't know that. Man, you get one little nick in that thing, and you're shit can in it. Um, so, so yeah, that, that heat damage, chemical damage. Um, I didn't know if you know this about harnesses, but you're supposed to protect them from light or UV light, so they have to be stored uh, in appropriately, which is usually a cabinet okay uh when you come into a shop and they're just hanging out on the rack if they're hanging in the sun that sun's coming in and that harness that's supposed to be bright yellow might be a faded yellow well guess what you've now lost strength so we're going to fail it
0: can you just repair like if you see like a caustic burn or something like that you have to
1: harnesses cannot be repaired they're scrapped lanyards cannot be repaired they're scrapped retractables you can send them back to the manufacturer. We can do that. You give them to us and we'll send them back to the manufacturer because we're the party that, you know, uh, can do that. And the manufacturer uh, can repair them. Hmm. Uh, and just to give you a little understanding of a retractable. Uh, it's either a retrieval for pulling you out of a hole or um, you might strap it on your back and it's a small retractable that allows you to move Six feet, eleven feet, or whatever. Um, oftentimes, when they go back to the manufacturer, they're they just consider it a major repair. They basically open it up, take all the internals out, put all new fresh internals in, close it up, test it, ship it back. We, we saw yeah.
2: them do that at, at Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. When we were in yeah. Augusta, they they've got a that. guy they've set up that. in the corner of their shop, and that's all he does. Yeah.
1: Uh, Baltimore can do the Ultra Safe brand. Yep. But we can also take all the Miller stuff and send it back to Miller or. Um, DVI or any of those
0: groups. Because I think it was everything. I think he he was gutting him, replacing them, and I think he was repainting we, it he as well. Him, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it looked great. Because right you
1: can get a a fifteen hundred, two thousand, five thousand dollar retractable. I mean, if you got a one with a hundred feet of stainless steel aircraft cable in there. Uh, that goes back that could be you know, a few thousand dollars goes back to the manufacturer, could be a grand. Mm. So that's you know, how they can do
0: that. So then if they're in this partnership where you're doing, you know, their full protection or both full protection and slings and stuff like that, if you do disqualify something because you know it's bad is it saying they turn around like you know this is bad we got to fail it you know we'll take care of it for you but in the meantime here's this stuff or do they have to have a stockpile of stuff already they do
1: they have to and this is again um, if we're doing a first time inspection we'll say hey listen uh, if it's a first time inspection of the fall protection we'll say listen number one thing you got to be ready for is if we tag something out you got to have something in reserve so your guys can continue working um most of the time, customers will either purchase something real quick to, to put some stock on the shelf just in case, or they'll just deal with it at the at the moment we we fail it. Okay. In which case, we'll just direct them to a CSR and say, "Here's all the information on your tag, and just call in and give them this, and they'll either sell you the same thing or something comparable."
0: Are they so? If if they're a company that knows that they need full protection, it's usually in their process. They use it all the time it gets disqualified for whatever reason, and then there's a period of time where they just don't have any because they're in between the purchase or it's in shipping or whatever. Are they specifically held liable for the time that their, their crew is still trying to do work without fall gotcha. protection that they know that they need?
1: Absolutely. And yeah. hopefully they wouldn't be doing any work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right on. Absolutely. And what you're going to have is, again, what this comes down to is generally – the lack of understanding of the organization and the users of what's required let me just give you a little history let's say our crane service group went out to our shop and got up on a lift and then got in on top of a crane and started working that crane service group is required to have a fall protection plan for that job mm-hmm. which means if they go up there They know where to tie off Mm -hmm. and where they're tying off has been engineered or approved by an engineer. So all the attachments are are properly installed and whatnot. Their personal fall protection has been inspected before they put it on. um, And then they've calculated, they've done all the calculations that if they do fall, they're not hitting the next level. Mm -hmm. So that the harness that they grabbed and the lanyard that they grabbed is not gonna allow them to hit something. Right. So that could be a retractable, which is going to hit immediately and give them a couple inches, or a six-foot lanyard, which is actually going to expand to nine-foot to absorb their thing. Mm-hmm. So if they're a six-foot-tall guy with the harness taking them to seven-foot, you got to calculate another nine feet in there. So they're doing math from, okay, if I'm standing there and that press is there, mm-hmm. that better be greater than this. Yeah. So they're supposed to have all these plans in place. Customers don't have that stuff in place. Kind of see what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, because I was talking to uh, Kevin Paul, our uh, saving clients director, and he was telling me that a lot of people just have the fall protection, but they don't have a rescue plan in place. So a guy can fall and then just dangle there because... And in know, 20
1: minutes he's dead.
0: Right, because his, uh, his body parts are shutting down. Yeah, right,
1: and he's, he's cut off at the legs mm. from where he's hanging in the harness. Yeah.
0: And he's saying that was one of the biggest problems that he keeps seeing is that you know yeah they have their fall protection but that's where it stops nobody knows where he is with it what he's going to work on and right. then if he falls he's just there by himself because there's no
1: crane so you can make sure you can get a lift in and how's the fire mm. department or how is your lift going to get you high enough and if you don't have a lift does the customer have a lift yeah and if the customer doesn't have a lift how's the you know how's the fire engine going to get in there right. can they get in there where you just all these different things. So our part of it is really just the personal end of it, which is hey, we expect you to be doing all this other stuff, but we're qualified to be able to do this stuff for you. Mm-hmm. What are the standards
2: that relate to um, fog protection I inspection? have them right
1: here. There's three different. There's three different subparts. Okay. Um, for a full body harness, it's a- ANSI Z three five nine point one one for the. Uh, Energy absorbing lanyards. Okay, that's what we're gonna call them. Uh, that's ANSI Z three five nine point one three, and for the self retracting devices, which is what we call retractables, that is ANSI Z three five nine point one four. And our guys now to be competent, it's a different process. That's a different explanation. To be competent, you have to go through training to give you the education regarding how to inspect, how to uh, properly size yourself, all that stuff. I take my group, even though we're an ultra-safe dis- distributor. I've been going to Miller for probably 15 years or something. We go, we go once for a competent person training and inspection. It's a three-day course. Now, Miller does not certify you and they do not give you you know qualify you to use the term competent okay because mazella sent us to that training and we have that documented training mazella then becomes the party that says we're qualified mm. so that i so i have a document from miller saying okay you've been through my course here's your here's your documentation i will then create a document with mazella letterhead that says okay tom horner is now competent form these inspections. Okay, that's what's required in the law. Okay, so that's how I we're covered there, Um, and we're like I said, we're only we're we're only competent to inspect the personal stuff. Can't do lifelines. We can't do uh, any of that crazy stuff. We're not engineers. I can't tell you if you can screw into that beam or tie off onto that or anything like that.
0: Can you help them with their rescue plan though?
1: No. Really? No. We are not qualified to do anything regarding telling you how to size yourself or to choose the fall protection for your application. Okay. It does not allow us to.
0: Okay.
1: Let's say a customer called in and said, hey, John, can you come out and help me with this? John would have gotten a hold of somebody from Miller or somebody from AlterSafe and said, hey, Mr. Salesman, I need you to come with me on a call because you are the person who can. Okay design all that and tell them what they need and help them put together. That.
0: So our our focus is what it usually is it's, it's you know making sure that everything is safe, it's compliant, it's not going to break apart and then another person can come in and then help them with their rescue plan with their fall protection program, getting stuff you know, wild. okay, cool.
1: They can have they can give us a harness, a lanyard and a retractable. I can tell you if it's good or bad. I can put it on paper, I can satisfy with documentation you come to me with any of that and say is this the right harness lanyard or retractable I'll say I can't help you with that but I can direct you to <clears throat> cool
0: so yeah it's good
2: enough how often do you need to have inspections performed and then do they need to be documented as well
1: documented and uh no more than 12 months
2: at the
0: minimum you need an annual minimum, inspection minimum, yeah with documentation and then your recommendation is always, before every use, take a look at it.
1: And that, is, that is required. It's not a recommendation. Oh. That's required. Okay. It's a great way to lead into training because customers say, well, I've never, you know, my guys just kind of, we just bought a large and they kind of put it on and they wrap up some buckles and kind of leads into, well, you need, this is part of your whole plan. Mm-hmm. And you can, again, direct them our guys to, to talk deeper about getting proper training because even our training our fall protection training is very generic compared to what like a miller offers mm-hmm. we'll come in and do like a toolbox talk or something that's an overview but when it comes down to the specifics we step away and then hire that party
0: Did- is there supposed to be a person on-site that can train a guy, this is how you wear a harness, this is how it goes, this is how you tighten it up?
1: Absolutely. And and actually it should be Kevin Paul and mm. or Kevin Muldoon, but together. Mm. Those are supposed to be the guys, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Because that person is also competent. Right. Now, that person is the law in that organization. There is not one other individual in that organization that can trump that person's decision when it comes to fall protection so if kevin paul came down here and said you cannot wear that harness tony bezella could not come in on the back and say disregard that you need to go do your job yeah and put that on and go do your work once he says it that's it cool
2: so yeah we have an article the top five reasons your lifting rigging program isn't compliant so inspection of fall protection was one of those. He did a good job in that article. Each each section is basically, we broke it out into like three things. So it's like failure to inspect fall protection equipment, failure to inspect your below the hook devices. You know, exactly. and there were, there were five of them. Exactly. And that's the most common things, but he's, he did like what we see. So we see lanyards, harnesses, and retractables are not being inspected. And then we what we hear. This is my own personal harness. The company didn't buy it for me. I only use my PPE a few times a year. I only use it when I'm in the scissor lift. I thought you only had to inspect it if you fall.
1: Yep, exactly.
2: And then we have what the standard says, you know. so, So. to counteract everything we hear,
0: we say, "Well, this is what the standard actually says." Yeah, and Terry's whole thing, "Done." There's a lot of, you know, I heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy. He's like, "Okay, but have you even seen the standard? Have you looked at it? Have you studied it? Because you can hear stuff all day long, but until right. you get it in front of you, read it, see what it says, you can't make any authoritative decision." Right. Yeah, we saw the below the hook one when Ronnie was there doing the inspection. Yeah. And
2: were they actually using it? The, the, yeah. the coil. The, they were. I think they yeah, had they used just it. used it, and he's like. What do you guys got over there? And it was like this, you could tell it was like homemade. It was like wrapped in like uh-huh. a cloth. Yep. And it was taped so that it had like some grip on oh, it. Yeah, and he's like, Well, where's the tag for this? And they're like, Ah, but we've been using this thing for like yeah. 20 years. This guy made this. And, and he's, he's like, like yeah, yeah, we engineered t- t- it and tested it. Yeah. Yep. So just, he wrote it up as like, I'm going to tell you that you, you need to stop using this, but right. Right, that's this crazy. thing's not tagged. Yep. You don't know how it's rated. He's yeah. like he wrote it up as like a quote, you know, we can come back and we'll cer we can reverse engineer it or we'll certify it for you. And yeah. So that was kind of cool cuz we saw that we saw like it, yeah. we you know saw and then Terry wrote that article number yep. 3 failure to inspect below the hook devices.
1: That might have been the first time we've ever seen that and we've been doing their inspection for probably 10 years or better. Really? So you still go into places and you see that why because number 1 we just never saw it in use mm-hmm. Yeah. or somebody new and they keep it hidden. Yep. Right. Like my per like this is my own personal harness. Yeah. Well, they put it in there. If you're in a union facility, they put it in their personal boxes. Mm-hmm. Now, management cannot make that employee open up their personal box. Hmm. So if it's in there, you never see it. Yeah. You never know. They keep it hidden because they play that game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the guy there, I think he was one of the floor managers or something, but he was just holding on. You know, my engineering team made it. You know, yeah. we're, we're great at this we've stuff. We've been using it for 10 years. Yeah, we've yeah. Been, and it's great. We had, we've never had any we issues. Had de- we had an engineer, you know, design it for yeah. us, and it's like, right. oh, that's
1: all well and good. Right, and then you find out they their engineer never did it to the below-the-hook right. dash one, yeah. yeah. you
0: know. That's Yeah, Dan Sherwood was telling us about that. You know, you have all these standards and you have all these, you know, rock-and-roll engineers are like, no, 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 I know what it is. I don't need a standard to tell me what I know. Right. And then they're just making all kinds of weird stuff that oh, yeah. are or are not usually uh, compliant.
1: I can't say I've ever ran into a customer that made everything properly after they said they made everything properly. I can't say <laughs> I've ever ran into yeah. that.
0: Because I think you get into that much of, you know, like you said, we've been doing this for 10 years, 70 issues. Okay. But you don't know.
1: You would be amazed at what a billion-dollar organization will let their people do. Yeah. And the same thing will happen with the fall protection. I mean, Ron, you'll have people fight you tooth and nail. If you're in construction, you're talking a $50 harness. If you're talking manufacturing, you're talking a $100 harness. Yeah. And you're talking a $50 lane. Like, you guys are splitting hairs and... Arguing and bickering over $150, it'll cost you how many millions? So, you know, yeah. the, you're having these conversations with people, you're just like, holy, it's that the, same yeah. thing. But, <laughs> yeah
2: they acknowledge it and right. it's like but
1: yeah they've got an answer but it's just going to be real easy we just got to go do this
0: right yeah and terry kept on saying that i think kevin paul said it too he's like no, no matter how you slice it no matter what program you put in place it will be leaps and bounds cheaper beyond the fines and the medical bills right. and the all that Personal stuff 100 bucks
1: yeah. on some harnesses and lanyards let us a few hundred bucks for the inspection customer it balks at paying 300 dollars for that inspection but what's it going to cost for them for osha to come in and see you didn't do your inspection and then they tag you for that. Then they decide to get really investigative and look that you have no fall protection plan and say how many thousands is that gonna cost you when you could just begin the process for pennies on that dollar.
0: We hope we were able to help you better understand the importance of personal fall protection. And how the cost of implementing a compliant program pales in comparison to any fine you would incur should an incident take place without one. If you liked what you heard, don't hesitate to share it with your friends and coworkers, anyone you think that might benefit from it. You can also head over to MozillaCompanies.com where we have a ton of blog articles written and downloads available. You can also pop over to YouTube.com slash and honestly let us know what you think. For all of us at Mazzella Companies, I'm Devin McCarty. Thank you for listening.